What does Luke Newman's addition mean for the offensive line room at Michigan State? Also, we got some recruiting news we have to get to, and then we open up the mailbag. Talking about, is Michigan State really on the bubble, and what Detroit Lions player would we put on this team? Let's go! You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week. Please rate, review, subscribe, comment below, smash that five-star rating button. Just do whatever makes you happy because you guys are truly the best. So I just I just want you to smile today. So if any of that is going to bring joy to you, yeah, feel free to do so. All right, let's jump into the show here. We spent about 45 seconds on this yesterday, but we're going to blow this out a little more because we got to talk about Luke Newman. Something that seemed like a long time coming, uh, his transfer to Michigan State, because it's been long said that... He grew up in the state of Michigan. He went to Birmingham, Brother Rice. Uh, his family, Spartan fans. So when this former FCS All-American offensive tackle hits the transfer portal, he wants to end his college career somewhere in the FBS. Of course, all of our minds go to, well, hey, how about just ending it here at home at Michigan State? He made it official Saturday during his visit. And, oh man, are we feeling a lot different about the offensive line room than we were when this offseason started, when it seemed like... Well, every single offensive lineman decided to enter the portal. Ever since then, though, they've gotten a lot back and more. This is their second big portal addition. They, of course, got Tanner Miller from Oregon State not too long ago. And now we're talking Luke Newman. Now, why are we so fired up about this? You already heard me say former FCS All-American. Not just last year, but the year before that, too. He was on a few FCS All-American lists, and even in 2022, Phil Steele, the man that is all things college football, Phil Steele named him the Patriot League Offensive Lineman of the Year. So the six foot four, 310 offensive lineman is bringing the joy to Michigan State fans, and, well, Coach Maholchek as well, the new offensive line coach for Michigan State. Now, Luke Newman, it wasn't all Spartans, all guaranteed the whole way this offseason during his transfer portal journey. He did visit Vanderbilt, Purdue, and Illinois. He was going to visit James Madison, but look, uh, Michigan State locked it up on that visit. So at Holy Cross... 91.6 pass blocking grade from Pro Football Focus in 707 snaps last year, all at left tackle. Now, if you don't know anything about PFF, let me just tell you that a 91.6 grade is quite remarkable. Now, we will say this. We will pump the brakes that, of course, there is a jump from FCS football to Big Ten football. Like, we don't expect him... and. Please feel free to surprise us all, Luke Newman. We didn't expect him to come in and just be this all Big Ten first team player, but still, he's coming here with experience and the proof that he can play at a more than competent level here. We're building depth, and it might even go further than just depth with Luke Newman. This is a guy that could very well be a starter instantly for Michigan State. Now, what's interesting here is that in the 707 snaps last year at Holy Cross, just like we said, all of them were at left tackle. However, 
he says he sees himself as an interior offensive lineman at the FBS level. So this is what we're looking at here for the starting offensive line next season. At left tackle, I think it's going to be a pretty good battle between Ashton Leppo and Brandon Baldwin. Now, Brandon Baldwin has a little more college experience over Ashton Leppo, but Leppo, in his short amount of time last year at the end of the season, Graded fairly well per Pro Football Focus if you want to take stocks in those grades that they have. So that's going to be a good battle right there. Brandon Baldwin, Ashton Lepo at your left tackle. Now let's say left guard, Luke Newman slides in there. Cole Dellinger perhaps behind him. At center, looking like Tanner Miller will be your starting center next year. Right guard, Geno Vandenmark. And then right tackle, Ethan Boyd. Now let's say that for some reason... Uh, Brandon Baldwin and Ethan Boyd, they get into a moped accident right outside the football facility. Both of them go down. This is the joy of having Luke Newman, a guy that does have tackle experience. Yes, at 6'4", 310, he sees himself as an interior offensive lineman, but it's clear throughout his time in college he can play tackle. So you're getting a Swiss Army Knife lineman in Luke Newman. That is invaluable here, especially in the transfer portal. I, that, that is a really, really nice ad that Michigan State does have. Now, that's the depth with the tackle, right? Is Ashton Lepo, Brandon Baldwin, Ethan Boyd. Uh, sure, you have Stanton Rommel um, as well, but let's talk about the interior offensive line depth. Like I said, Cole Dellinger, he could be your backup left guard, just even as a true sophomore. Dallas Fincher, he's had center experience. Kevin Wigginton, he played a lot of right guard last year. Uh, really uh, added a lot of reps at uh, interior offensive line at the end of last year. But man, when you get Luke Newman and Tanner Miller, you could very well be looking at two day one starters for your Michigan State Spartans. Guys that are old with a lot of experience and success behind them. So, yeah, fired off about this one. We've been talking a lot about Luke Newman here ever since he put his name in the transfer portal uh, pool. And we are, we're, we're swimming in smiles over here. So, uh, we also got to talk about another commit for the 2024 class. Now, this one comes from the great state of Idaho, Martin Connington, former Oregon State commit. He is a three-star kicker if you look at 24-7 sports, but uh, kicking sites have their own rankings. He's a five-star kicker on Cole's kicking, so take that for what you will. Uh, Jonathan Kim, he does have one more year here, so it could be another year before we see Martin Connington line up for a field goal at Spartan Stadium. But I do love this quote. He gave Corey Robinson of 24-7 Sports, quote, most NFL teams play in poor weather for quite a lot of the season and on grass. Michigan State has a grass field and the weather to prepare me for what I want for my field future. So this kid is sprinting into the grind here. Uh, he opened up his weather app. He checked East Lansing's weather, said, what's that? 14 degrees, 20 mile an hour winds. That sounds like paradise to me. I will forge myself into a great kicker with the lovely weather that they have in East Lansing. So this kid, uh, definitely rough around the edges, which I guess you don't hear a lot for a kicker, in my opinion. But yeah, loving the attitude. Now, as far as what you can see from Martin Connington, uh, he's had a few clips on Twitter that he's posted. 62-yard field goal. Uh, he posted a video of himself making a 50-yard field goal at his homecoming game into the wind. My goodness gracious, that, that kick looked like it was good from 60 yards. So, big lag. 
Strong accuracy. Uh, it's you, you see why. He is rated five stars on Cole's kicking right now. And another snippet of 20, uh, two, sorry, 2024 recruiting news. There will be a visitor on campus this coming weekend. Jalen Brown, 2024 receiver out of the great state of Texas. Six foot three, 185 pounds. And to say this kid is flying under the radar would be an understatement. Uh, the only Power 5 offer that he has, and it's not even, I hate to say it, not even a Power 5 offer anymore, is Washington State. But beyond that, North Texas is the next best offer that he has on paper, but he will be visiting this weekend. Again, six foot three, 185 pound receiver, hopefully joining the receiver class that has Austin Clay, three-star receiver, and then the crown jewel of the class, Nick Marsh. Uh, now this is kind of like a next best available thing for Jonathan Smith and his staff. We're kind of getting at the end of the 2024 cycle. It's coming up here in less than two weeks now. And, hey, when you look at the top 110 receivers in the 2024 class, not, not, not players, just specifically receivers, top 110 receivers, six of them are uncommitted. That's right, the other 104 have already signed their national letter of intent, so this is one of the things where you're looking at, okay, who else is still even out there? Well, Jalen Brown, a guy that could be flying under the radar. If Jonathan Smith wants to take a gamble on him, again, a good frame at six foot three, one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Uh, yeah, be my guest. I'll, I'll trust Jonathan Smith's recruiting acumen here just to take a flyer on the three-star from Texas. So hopefully, good news comes from Michigan State. Again, not a lot of competition for the Spartans here, unless another mystery team pops up here. But yeah, that's your recruiting four-one-one uh, here. As we head into the break, because I got to talk your ear off about Fan Duel Sportsbook, folks. NFL regular season long gone. However, with the NFC and AFC championships coming up this weekend, head over to Fan Duel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's right. Hey, bet on the bet bet five dollars on the Lions to win. Don't even worry if they're going to lose, though, because, again, if you're a new customer, you are going to get 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and go ahead and make yourself a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the most popular parlays at FanDuel. So go ahead, hop on right now. Ravens, 3.5-point favorites, and the Niners right now, 6.5-point favorites. If you're feeling spicy about either of those teams, Go ahead, hop on FanDuel, and make those wagers. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, we're going to get into the mailbag here. We're going to start with some basketball talk, and then we're going to do some fun little uh, Lions-Spartans questions at the very end. But first, let's talk that hockey, because they had themselves an eventful weekend. They got smacked around pretty good Friday night against Michigan, and it looked like things were going to happen again on Saturday at Yoast. Oh no, we're down 4-1. That means we're down, between the two games, 11-2 on the series. They are getting their teeth kicked in by the skates of the Wolverines. And by now, you probably already know what happened next. They rattled off six straight goals on the road to win at Yoast. And now what does that mean for Michigan State? Well, unfortunately, they did slide down a little bit in the pairwise rankings. They were set to have a one seed, and for those that don't know, pairwise is how they structure the NCAA tournament. They slid down to seven. 
So right now, still a two seed, if you will, uh, in the NCAA tournament. So they did slide down a little bit. But the good news is, first place in the Big Ten still. They are at 34 points. Second place in the Big Ten is Wisconsin with 30 However, Wisconsin has two more games in hand that they have to play. So it's going to be a big weekend once again. Every weekend from here on out is going to be a big weekend for Michigan State hockey as they go for their first ever Big Ten title. But they're going to be facing Minnesota at Munn Arena for two games coming up Friday night. And then Saturday on Big Ten Network at 4 p.m. Because... Apparently, it's not a given that great marquee hockey games are on Big Ten Network. No, if you wanted to watch either game last weekend against heated rival Michigan, you had to get Big Ten Network Plus. So those crooks over there at the Big Ten offices, um, they actually decided to make this one just on normal Big Ten Network at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Also, if you're just in the area, East Lansing, go ahead and make it a doubleheader because the women's team plays Michigan at noon at Breslin Center. Go catch that game, go over to Crunchies, and then go over to Mun Arena and have yourself a nice day in East Lansing this Saturday. So there you go. Just wanted to give a little update on the hockey team there before we get into basketball. And Dakota reached out via email, lockedonspartans at gmail.com. If you ever want to reach out to us with any questions about football, basketball, or just life in general, or Sheehan underscore sports on Twitter as well. We take those questions too. So Dakota... We'll be batting first in this mailbag, writing in. I noticed this week that ESPN Bracketology has Michigan State as an 8 seed right now. But CBS doesn't have the Spartans in at all. Why do you think there's such a disparity? And is MSU actually on the bubble? Love the show. Keep up the amazing work. Dakota, I love you as well. Um, so we'll take that into two questions. Why is there such a disparity? Could be a few reasons. Could be... It's the argument between right now, like let's say the tournament started on January 22nd, versus projecting where teams will be once Selection Sunday rolls around. Like it could be that, because right now, yeah, Michigan State, probably a little more bubbly than they will be should they go on this run against projected teams that are supposed to beat. It's that argument. That could be one reason. Number two, why there could be a disparity is that not all bracketologists are uh, are that great. Now, CBS Sports, this is the uh, bracketologist that Dakota is uh, referring to. Jerry Palm does great work at CBS Sports. This man does it all. Works eight days a week throughout the entire year. He does so many things. He does a lot of things better than others. Bracketology is not one of the things he does great. There's a website out there called Bracket Matrix. Now, they take all 170-some bracketologists that are online, and they do a few things. They average out the seeding for each team. Like, for example, Michigan State, when we woke up on Monday, you go to Bracket Matrix. Between all 170-some brackets on the Internet, averages out Michigan State is a 10 seed right now. Okay, So that's what one thing Bracket Matrix does. What else they do... They rank all those bracketologists at the end of the year. And I'm sorry to say, Jerry Palm, um, but he ranked 142 out of 174. Um, however, uh, you know, th this is, and I still reference Jerry Palm, I will still read his bracketology every other day. No question. This harkens back to a documentary I watched a few years ago um, where it was actually a very uh, harrowing documentary. It was about drugs, addiction, and they interviewed this guy that was addicted to meth. And he said that, you know what? He would crawl around on his ground at his house and scavenge for anything that even resembled anything that he was trying to get in his body, and he would smoke it. Just combing his carpet throughout the odd hours of the night. That's me with bracketology. 
I don't care if it's the good stuff that I'm getting or if it's just the most rank bracketologist out there. If, if there is a website out there called BigJimsBracketBonanza.com and he just has 68 projected teams, I'll smoke it. No questions asked. So, yes, I know Jerry Palm isn't a great bracketologist, but I... I will come crawling there every other day. So that's a long way of saying that. That's that's kind of why Jerry Palm doesn't have Michigan State in right now. Because as we get to the second part of the question, is MSU actually on the bubble? I think yes, but let me stop right there. I, I, I'm using a very loose definition of the word bubble. Right now, if you are even like a six seed... I still consider you on the bubble. Now, that will change as we go closer to Selection Sunday. Like, in March, if you're outside of a 7 seed, like, I don't even consider you a bubble team anymore. But right now, sure, Michigan State is by definition a bubble team. But maybe you can already hear it right now. There's not a lot of panic in my voice yet. There'd be a lot of panic if they lost on Sunday to Maryland. That, that, that would not have been a good game. But right now, I don't think that there is a lot of panic. Now, let's go, on the contrary to CBS Sports, a team that struggles at the bracketology, let's go to the one of the best in the business, 1-3-1 Sports. Right now, after the Maryland game, they have you in as a 10 seed. And, of course, there's six teams that get the 11th seed with the first four in Dayton, all that good stuff. But right now, Michigan State is on the right side of the bubble. They're not even like the last four teams in. They're, they're, they're on the right side of things right now. But let's plug some things in. Okay, let's go to BartTorvik.com, the website we always reference here on this show. Now, let's say that you sweep the rest of your home games, the last six home games, and you win just one of your last six road games. Bart Torvik, the computers, has you even in the tournament, e even if that's how you end your season, with just one road win the rest of the way. Now, the reason I say that you sweep the home slate is because I, in this last six home games, Michigan State is going to be favored by at least nine in four of those games. They're going to have a tight game against Illinois, of course, but let's say that, okay, you sweep the six home games, you only win one more road game. That puts you at 21-13 overall, 11-9 in the conference, and let's say you go 2-1 in the Big Ten tournament. That They're spitting you out as like a six seed or a seven seed. So I, I know it's scary hours. I know this isn't the season that Michigan State wanted, and I also do understand that that's what a computer says versus what a human committee will say. But I, I think Michigan State is on the right side of the bubble here. Now, you start losing games like next week to Michigan, or you lose one on the road to Minnesota, or you lose a home game to Iowa for some reason. It gets a little dicey there. But as things stand right now, I, Michigan State, yes, on the bubble, but I, I'm not pulling the fire alarms just yet. I, I hope that adds some relief and some calmness to you people because I get more panicky than most people. But even right now, as things stand, knock on wood, I, I'm not panicking about the tournament just yet. Just yet. All right, another basketball question here for us. This is from Luke. It says, first of all, <laughs> uh, this is a Debbie Downer way to start the email. Uh, first of all, how far is our basketball team program falling when we're celebrating a two-point win against a mid-team like Maryland just because it's on the road? Or doing the quote, oh, actually, Indiana State is pretty good routine. Yuck. Well, hold on. Indiana State is a good team. They're a quad one win right now. Do you know how good of a team you have to be to be considered a quad one win when you win at home? Got to be top 30 in the net. Indiana State, good enough for that. And yes, I am celebrating that Michigan State finally won on the road. Because it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. And also, if we want to start getting fired up about this run Michigan State can go on, 
you can't get excited about that unless you do win that first game in said run. And they did it despite scoring just 17 second-half points. They did it. So, yeah, I think that is worth celebrating. Now, Luke writes in. This is the bulk of the question here. Second of all, I know the minutes don't quite add up perfectly, but can someone please tell me how this lineup isn't better, both in terms of a current record and development for later in the season and next year? Now, Luke goes in to write a starting five of Trey Holloman playing 20 minutes a game. Tyson Walker, 32 minutes a game. Jaden Akins, 26 minutes. Cohen Carr starting at the four. And then Carson Cooper playing 20 minutes a game. So that leaves the bench to being Malik Hall, 20 minutes a game. AJ Hogarth, Jackson Kohler, 16 minutes a game. Xavier Booker, 8 minutes a game. And Mati Sissoko, 8 minutes a game. Now, surely there are some things that I do agree with on here. Like, Cohen Carr, I don't know if I need to see him start, but I do need to see him closer to 20 minutes than we're seeing him right now, which in the last four games, he's only cracked 10 minutes just once in the last four games. We need to see more Cohen Carr. And I get it. I get that he's maybe a little logjammed with Malik Hall. So play Malik Hall at the center. Okay, like let, let's get Cohen at the four, Malik Hall at the five. That small ball lineup is going to work. I'm not saying run that lineup for 38 straight minutes, but that should be a more prevalent lineup than we do see right now so far. So other points I do want to point out, and it's starting to become a conversation of Trey Holloman is playing like really effing good, guys. Like, oh my God, he's really playing good. Should he be the starter? Now, this might be a minority opinion, but I think he should still be the sixth man off the bench. I like the idea of having that three-point spark off the bench, keep things A.J. Hogarth starting right now, and I know that a lot of people will disagree with that, but that's just my thought right now. Right now, you have a good recipe going with Trey Holloman. I just wouldn't mess with that. Let him see the game from the bench for the first four or five minutes and then sub him into the game. Now, Malik Hall, you do need to see him start, whether it's at the four or if you want to start the game with small ball at the five, I mean, I'm not going to argue here because, look, I get that a lot of people remember only the bad with Malik Hall. But since his zero burger against Northwestern, that famous game where he had 26 minutes, 0.06 rebounds, this is what he has done since. He has scored in double digits every single game. Last game against Maryland, 44% from the field. That was his only game in the last four games where he has shot worse than 50%. And if you want to look at it too, that 44% is because he went uh, one of three from three-point land. From the inside, he was three of six, so still 50% on the low block. He is Michigan State's best scoring option down low, and it's not even a debate. He has the moves. He has the finishing touch. He's the best finisher around the rim for Michigan State at that position. Also, 7.8 rebounds since that zero-burger against Northwestern. Just three combined turnovers over the last four games. And if you want to extend it a little further, he is 6 of 11 from three since that Indiana State game. So, no, he's not shooting at a crazy volume like you know Cassius Winston's senior year, but... North of 50% from three. He's proving himself yet again that he can stretch the floor. And are you ready for a fun stat? Who's ready for a fun stat? Raise your hand out there because I got a fun one with Malik Hall. At the rim, Malik Hall is finishing at 73%. Okay, Who, know, who, who knows the name Zach Eady? The guy that won Big Ten Player of the Year last year. The guy that won National Player of the Year last year. The seven foot four guy. The guy that should be scoring at an unholy clip and really kind of actually does score at an unholy clip. Last year, around the rim, he shot 71%. Yes, you heard me right. Malik Hall, 
73% around the rim. National Player of the Year last year, Zach Eady, 71%. Now, I will say there's a lot of context to be had there. Like, Zach Eady shot it about four and a half times as much inside that little arc as Malik Hall has. So there's a lot more volume for Zach Eady. But still, I just want to show everyone Malik Hall this year is Michigan State's best finisher at the rim. Mati Sissoko, he's finishing 63% at the rim. Carson Cooper at a much less volume. 71%. So when I'm saying that Malik is your best finisher inside, that's not just me blabbling and just rooting Malik on blindly. Like, no, he statistically, he is also the best finisher as well. Uh, Cohen Card, uh, yeah, we already said this, he does need to play more minutes. And, um, sorry, Luke did write in in his email, uh, Jackson Kohler, 16 minutes per game. So far, Jackson only has eight minutes as a season high right now as he gets back from that foot injury. And that that is like the, the crippling part of that foot injury that he sustained is that conditioning. How much could he even really do? Like, yes, there are some things you can do in the weight room to up your cardio. But, man, I, he, he was limited on his feet. And I think we're seeing that by the minute disparity that he has had so far. Just eight being the highest he played. I think he only played three or four against Maryland, so I, 16 would be too big of a jump, and also, he's not that great defensively still, guys, so I don't know if you can have him on the court for 16 minutes. Uh, that's a lot of points given up, so there's my take with the lineup. Again, I, there are some things I agree with, like yeah, you got you you need to see Carr closer to 20 minutes a game, but I digress. We'll, we'll leave it to the Hall of Fame head coach to figure all that out. Uh, now, we're going to go with some Lions-Spartans mashup questions right now. This is fun. Maximilian writes in, if you were to take one player for the Lions and go back to college and play for MSU, who would you take? Now, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do one for the offense and one for the defense here. Now, for the offense, my God. No shortage of options here for the Detroit Lions of who you could add to this team. Uh, like, Jameer Gibbs... Heavens would be amazing. Uh, Sam Laporta, as a Michigan State fan who hasn't seen production out of the tight end position in about eight years, like how could you say no to Sam Laporta? That guy is a surefire target. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, my favorite player on the team. Yeah, I know like Michigan State isn't like struggling necessarily in the receiver room, but man, you add a guy like that, sure hands, a guy that could drag three defenders to a first down like he did on Sunday, I, you could do Amon Ross St. Brown. However... We're going to the trenches. And I know we started this show talking about how, hey, we're feeling okay about the offensive line room all of a sudden. I would like to add right tackle Panay Sewell to this team. Put him anywhere. Slide into left tackle. Heck, have him run some routes as a tight end for all I care. I mean, that guy would be probably an all-conference uh, Big Ten tight end if he really wanted to be. But I would add Panay Sewell to this team. Now, let's switch it up to the defense. A defense that I wonder if they have the chops for a pass rush going into next year. Yeah, we know the interior uh, defensive line. Guys like Simeon Barrow, Derek Harmon. Yes, I feel pretty good about the young guys like Jalen Thompson. You got Chris Bogle coming back, but still, you do need a pass rush. But I can't get on here, locked on Spartans, with my bleeding green and white heart, and say I would add Aiden Hutchinson on this team. Like, I, I do have principles, right? Like, I, I, I just can't say it. I, I, can't, I can't outright admit that I would take Hutchinson on this team next year. Because he also proved that he couldn't win at Spartan Stadium. Yeah, that's right. You like that jab? Um, so we're going to go somewhere else on the field. We're going to act like 97 doesn't exist. Because I love the idea of Brian Branch 
on this defense next year. And you might say, Matt, where are you going to put him? Are you going to put him at nickel? Are you going to put him at safety? Are you going to put him at cornerback? I don't care. I don't care where you put him. Put him at the three technique for all I care. Put him at defensive line, hand in the dirt. Brian Branch is so talented of a player for the Lions. I don't care where you throw him on the field. He will make it work if you brought him back to college and had him play for Michigan State. So corner, sure. Safety, why not? Nickel, yeah, that's close enough to what he played at Alabama. Why not? Or, hey, even defensive end, I don't, Brian Branch is that talented. He will get it done. So, yes, we're going to go Panay Sewell on the offensive side of the ball and Brian Branch on the defensive side of the ball. Now, this is an email that Jeff sent last week before the Buccaneers game, and we answered a question that was, hey, would you trade Michigan's national title for a Lions playoff loss? Meaning, like, hey, would you sacrifice the Michigan fan happiness if it meant that the Lions lost a playoff game? And I'm a Lions fan, if I haven't made that clear by now. Like, I have taken a lot of joy out of the two playoff wins. However, I said last week, that, yes, I would take a Washington national title, Michigan fan misery, even if it meant the Lions lost a playoff game. Why? Because I'm mean. I'm a bully. I'm a Michigan State fan first and foremost before a Lions fan, and what do I take a lot of joy in is Michigan misery. So, yeah, that's right. I'd fall on the sword. I'd take that. Now, Jeff wrote in this email. He said, I enjoyed the show, but I strongly disagree with your conclusion of trading the Lions playoff win for a Michigan natty loss. That said, I'm wondering how far would you go with that trade? The Lions are favored in the next playoff game. He was talking about the Bucks game. Would you trade a second playoff home win and a trip to the NFC Championship? If yes, would you trade a trip to the Super Bowl? A Super Bowl win. I hope you'll confirm that the madness stops at a Super Bowl win. Thanks, and go green and go Lions. Oh, Jeff, I, I'm a coward. Because you know what? I've had a lot of fun the last two weekends watching the Lions. More fun than I've had watching that team my last 30 years of my life combined. So, you know what? I think the buck does stop. I, w I was going to say that the only way I would take the Michigan national title is if the Lions made the Super Bowl. But, <sighs> no, I, I think if you hooked me up to the polygraph, I, I think I would say fine. We'll, we'll trade in the Michigan national title for two playoff wins. I would certainly take it for a trip to the Super Bowl, though. Brings me no joy to say that, Michigan State fans. I know. I'm sorry. I'm letting you down as a Spartan. But um, I've had a lot of fun in the last two weeks watching the Lions win these two playoff games. I think they have a legitimate shot against San Francisco. But also, like, and turn this down. I don't want anyone else to, like, hear this or make a big deal of this. But, like, it, the Michigan National Championship, like, hasn't been as bad as I thought. And maybe that's because I built it into, like, this being, like, an end-of-the-world thing and it was going to be the worst thing that's ever happened. But, like, guys, it's... And maybe because the Lions are distracting everyone from what has happened on that fateful Monday night. It, like, yes, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. It's horrible. I wish it didn't happen. But, like, it, life has moved on. It's all good. Like, we talked about this not too long ago when talking about this. It's like, what, what, what was going to happen when Michigan won the national title? Like, their, their fans would get arrogant. They'd be loud mouths. They'd be so brash. They'd be in your face all the time. But in the end, like that, that is that just is like who they have been the whole time. So like, has a has a national title really changed much, other than just seeing like a few national title T-shirts in the wild? Like, not, not really. I'm speaking from my experience. Maybe you guys have different experiences out there. But I, I think with it not being as bad as I thought it'd be, and just how much joy the lines have brought the last two weeks, I Jeff, I think I'm, 
I think I'm on your side now. So there you have it. Folks, hopefully I didn't upset you too much with that answer there at the very end. We will be back tomorrow, and then the day after that, and then the day after that, and then, well, this week with the game on Friday, the day after that. Until next time, though, you know where to keep it tuned. Locked on Spartans. I truly love every single one of you all. Now go enjoy the rest of your week. Go Green!